we like to welcome you back to part 3 of our current event and weekly Bible study for March 23rd, 2014. We're going to switch gears here, and um, I've had a lot of requests regarding these, this whole subject of the blood moons coming up that have been all the rage uh, recently. And I think in order to examine the blood moon theory, you really need to look at the source of where this information is coming from. And that's what we're going to do. The two sources, the two absolute main sources for this are Mark Blitz and John Hagee. Um, and we're going to take a look at this right now and kind of break this down. The first report is um, Mark Blitz and the Hebrews root, Hebrew Roots Movement and another false gospel. This is written... Uh, from a man who wrote this article about this and documented a lot of the things that were uh, that he said that Mark Blitz has said even on his own website, uh, John Muncy, and I give you the link for his website at the end there if you want to research this further. He says, "I remember the last time while flying to Israel, I met a very interesting man. We were both talking about how excited we were to going to be going to the Promised Land, or the Promised Land." Uh, and how great it will be to check out all the great places referred to in scriptures. He believed to be a devout believer. So, so he said, and yet, before long, I found out that he believed the Apostle Paul was the worst thing that happened to the followers of Jesus Christ, which is very common in the Hebrew Roots Movement, increasingly. He said that all the writings of the Apostle Paul, which make up the majority of the epistles, are wrong. I was dumbfounded. Little did I know I had encountered my first devotee of the Hebrew Roots Movement, a cult within the Christian church. In this man's own words, he stated that Christians don't really know the real Jesus, nor do they understand the Bible. Conveniently, just like Mormonism and all other pseudo-Christian cults, the Hebrew Roots Movement have their own version of the Bible. In this case, the Jerusalem Bible which, of course, is the only version that you are allowed to use. Uh, they, are all, they are one of the leading groups attempting to delegitimize the Apostle Paul. Which, and there's a lot of other cults out there that are doing this as well. Particularly women, preachers, pastors, ones that will call themselves reverends, ones in the, the various sects of pseudo-Christianity, hyper-charismatic movement in these types, they want to delegitimize him from the standpoint they don't like what he says about women and wives and things of this nature, so they automatically do that. There's also a cult called, uh, I believe it's Ulantra, <clears throat> um, which is a absolute total abomination from the pit of hell, that cult. I've actually encountered um, at least, well, at least one person uh, that was a member of that cult. And I'll tell you what, that guy was so unreachable and so brainwashed and had nothing but evil to say about Paul and Christianity in general. Um, and just to give you a little brief on that, this fast-growing cult is considered a New Age UFO cult. It's based on the book Urantia book. It's the Urantia, U-R-A-N-T-I-A. It's allegedly an ancient earth name for earth. The cult is also known as Urantia Society, Foundation, Fellowship, Brotherhood. Like other cults that it, it claim extra-biblical revelations, it's claimed that Urantia book complements the Bible, but and that Christians should not be wary of that book. But in reality, the Urantia book is in direct conflict with the Bible on many important doctrines, including the most important of all, which is the issue of salvation from eternal damnation uh, in hell through faith in Jesus Christ. And again, they really, really go to attack Paul. This was probably the first cult I became aware of that um, really, really went after Paul. And so um, that, was, that was something that I thought was pretty interesting. Now, so if we continue further, <clears throat> um, again, the Hebrew Roots Movement trying to delegitimize Paul. And while they are maybe the most overt, they're not alone in this teaching. Other groups like El Shaddai, which was started by Rabbi Mark Blitz, who is the 
really the the um, originator of this blood moon theory, because this isn't something that you're going to see has been, you know, prophesied for centuries or has been around and they've just been waiting for this. This is something that's very recent um, that he supposedly come up. So anyway, this this El Shaddai group, which is also trying to delegitimize Paul and his writings, was started by Rabbi Mark Blitz, also condemns the Apostle Paul as heretical and his writings, quote, deceive the Christians. One very, very clear aim of the Hebrews Roots Movement is to drag you away from Mount Calvary and the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ and, and to keep dragging you back all the way to Mount Sinai and place the yoke of the law, which was given to the Israelites, what they love to call the Torah, after Christ has freed you from it. Okay. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing we can't glean, garner, or that there's not instruction obviously available in the Torah and in the Ten Commandments and these things. I'm not saying that. But we're going to look at the specific verses that relate to this in the New Testament so you can have the clear understanding of the delineation between the two. The Old Testament Levitical law system given to the Israelites and what Christ offered us in this better covenant through Jesus Christ. And anyway, we're going to look at that very soon. Here is Mark Blitz, quoted directly from his website. <clears throat> Quote, my goal is not to convert Jews to Christianity. Okay? Which is, you're going to, you're going to get a very, very similar statement next with, in regard to John Hagee. So remember me saying this, because these two are birds of the same feather. And birds of the feather flock together. So, my goal this is a quote from his website. My goal is not to convert Jews to Christianity. So in other words, I guess he wants them to go to hell. But to bring non-Jews to a better understanding of YHVH, who this is also known as the Tetragrammaton, or um, <clears throat> what they would term as their version of what the name of God is, particularly in the Old Testament, I've done whole teachings on this. I'll give you the links to that. Anyway, but to bring non-Jews to a better understanding of YHVH through a better understanding of the Torah. I think most Christians do not know YHVH. I guess they're trying to say Yahweh. I don't know, but there's no there's no vowels in there. Um, it's just... Anyway... Uh, most Christians do not yo know YHVH as he really is, but know him as they have tried to create him in their image. See, the Bible obviously is corrupted in their eyes, so we can't know it unless we have this wonderful Hebrew roots proponent rabbi to teach us the right way. Many Christians believe they have a relationship with YHVH, but they don't. End of quote. Comment, my teaching. Please see my teachings I've done on the Hebrew Roots Movement. I give you the link to that. Okay, there's many, many, many that I've done regarding this. And this is why I don't want to, like, recover old ground, because I've done so much on this. I'm just going to briefly give you some things today to bolster what we're saying. And then also my teaching entitled, The Sacred Name and the Hebrew Roots Movement Exposed. The Sacred Name, where you always have to use Hebrew names for... God, and these types of things. My teaching overview, I'm going to read you this. Have you found eternal salvation through the holy name of our Lord Jesus Christ? Have you found true deliverance from your old sinful past, the world and its pleasures, in, the, in this most precious name? What about the reality of the peace of God and the assurance nothing can separate us from the love of God? Have you seen lives changed, miracles wrought, family restored, and others responding towards God at the preaching of this name above every other name. What if someone came along and said, this name that you have been saved and set free by is not the correct name at all, but a misnomer? What if someone came along and said, this wonderful name of, of your Savior was a corrupt Greek name derived from a false god called Zeus? How would you react? What would your response be? What if you were told the true name of God could not be and should never be uttered and the substitute for God's name is the name Yahweh? Beware, this is exactly what is happening in many spheres of Christendom today. Through sources of the Hebrew Roots Messianic Sacred Name Movement, 
as it infiltrates into the body of Christ. And the Bible warns Titus 1.14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth, which is what we're dealing with here, and that there's no other name given among men in heaven whereby which you must be saved as well. So if they can get us to quote names that aren't even God's names, and we're calling out to those entities, whatever they may be, how is there any power of Christ in that? What if you're calling out to Satan, essentially, or a devil? You need to be really careful what name you're naming, is the point I'm trying to make. Now, back to the quotes from Rabbi, good old Rabbi Mark Blitz, who is the one that has introduced all of this blood moon frenzy into modern day Christendom. He goes on to say, quote, The time is coming when the Jewish people will recognize the role Yeshua played and they will fulfill their mission in the Torah to the nations. Oh, so in other words, we're supposed to be brought back into Old Testament bondage through Jesus Christ by the Jewish people coming to us and preaching this to us. I really see a lot of Bible for that. You know, I really see a lot of places in the Bible where it says, actually, I see none where that's the case. And I'm going to go over a whole bunch of verses here coming up. And then it says, they will, this is a quote, Rabbi Mark Blitz, they will straighten out the Christian's theology. Oh, well, you know, thanks Satan that they're going to straighten us out. The Jews are going to straighten us out by bringing us back into bondage with the Torah. You know? They will straighten out the Christian's theology. And what Yeshua was really saying, they will be Christians who will be saying what, can these Jews know about Yeshua when in actuality you will have the correct understanding, meaning only the Jews are going to have the correct understanding and they're going to straighten us out and they're going to show us the way. Hebrew Roots teacher Mark Blitz also stated quite bluntly on his website, quote, I believe Christianity was hijacked, has hijacked Yeshua and has been presenting an Egyptian which is why Yeshua is not recognized. Meaning, the Jesus Christ of the King James Bible is not even Jesus at all. It's some Egyptian. That's what he's saying, this blasphemous, fork-tongued devil. Because I'm sorry, but at this point, that's what I'm calling him. He is a heretic. He is trying to damn souls to hell, is what he's trying to do. He'll never admit that, but that's what he's doing with his own tongue. It's what all the Hebrew Roots adherents do. They bring you into bondage, exactly like the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes that Jesus so went after in the New Testament and rebuked the same garbage different day. The time is, this is quotes from the quote, the time is coming when the Jewish people will recognize the role Yeshua played and they will fulfill their mission in taking the Torah to the nations. So again, to bring us back into the yoke of bondage. They will straighten out the Christian's theology in what Yeshua was really saying. Well, I guess I guess then what he's implying is that all of the um, apostles that went forth after Jesus and Paul and all of the other Christians that were martyred were martyred for nothing because they weren't trying to bring us into bondage. They were presenting the Jesus of the Bible, but I guess we have to have these end-time Jews to come back and straighten us out. And what does that imply? That implies that everybody that came before them that weren't doing this, trying to bring us back into the bondage of the Torah, we all they all went to hell, evidently. If you think about it, that's what he's saying. You know, thanks Satan for people like Mark Blitz that can straighten us out finally in this very, very end time, even though that's when the Bible says that beware of all the deceivers and devils that are going to come, and that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect, the false prophets like this guy and the false teachers. The main thing Jesus warned about, he's evidence of. No wonder these guys hate the Apostle Paul so much. Now, this is back to the article Report. No wonder these guys hate the Apostle Paul so much. He warned of their exact lies. Yes, he did. He did. He warned of those, even in his day, that tried to force believers back into the law, and Paul stated that that, that was a yoke of bondage. Jesus himself took the yoke of the law off our backs. Without a doubt, the main other 
gospel that Paul warned against is rooted in the Hebrew roots and the sacred name movements. 100%. This is the exact thing that they were specifically dealing with, the apostles. You look in the book of Galatians. Just read that one alone. You know, it's, it, that's what that's about. Warning about these wolves in sheep's clothing, particularly of a of a Pharisee, Sadducee, Jewish, Levitical bent, trying to spy out our liberty in Jesus Christ to bring us back into this yoke of bondage. Now, what does the Bible say? Because the Bible's very clear on this. Of course, if you can rule out all the epistles of Paul and then rewrite your own little Jerusalem Bible, which is derived from a corrupt underlying text type, just like pretty much all the other ones other than the King James, well, then you can kind of twist scripture any way you want, and when you have a rubber ruler, you stretch it any way you want, and you can come up with any little cult belief system you want to get people into hell. And that's what it's all about for Satan. Hebrews 12.24 says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speak better things than that of Abel. Okay, and Abel even predates the Levitical system, right? Yeah, I mean that's like right after the Garden of Eden. So that would that would say it's better than than the sacrifice of Abel. It's better than the Old Testament Levitical laws. It's better than all of that. Hebrews eight six. But now hath he obtained, meaning Jesus, a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. He's the mediator. He mediates for us. He's our representative through Jesus Christ, which was established upon better promises. Galatians 5.4 Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, in this case we can say the Torah, you think you're justified by the Torah, and man, there's a ton of people that do. And they always get so incredibly filled with pride when they are. Why? Well, I'm, all these other people are going to hell, and I'm keeping the Torah. I hope you're not picking up a stick on the Sabbath. We might have to take you out and stone you. You better really, really be keeping that law really, really good, because God's watching you better, you better not step out of line. We might have to stone you then. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. What grace? For you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2.11 the grace of Jesus Christ. You're fallen from grace if you think you're justified by the law. James 2.10 For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Reiterates what I just said. Romans 9.31 But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, have not attained to the law of righteousness. Galatians 2.21 I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You think that righteousness comes by keeping the Torah, then Christ is dead in vain to you. You are fallen from grace. No wonder they hated Paul so much. Galatians 3.21 Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law which could have given life, Verily, righteousness should have been by the law. It's our schoolmaster. Certain aspects, not all the ceremonial stuff where you have to keep your beard trimmed a certain way and this and that and not combining different types of clothes and not putting a one type of animal on, the, on a yoke with another one. I mean, those are like, some. There, there's some practical things there, obviously. I, think, I mean, I did a whole teaching on the wisdom of the Levitical dietary guidelines Okay, I mean, I think there is wisdom in that, you know. But are we bound, now, then there's moral parts where, like, talks about sexual sins and these types of things, and obviously those are, are, are applicable, obviously. Our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ is how the Bible describes it. 
Okay? So, um, let's go further. Philippians 3.9, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, meaning if you think you're keeping the Torah, you're trying to establish your own righteousness. Okay? But that which is through faith, the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. See, that's the kind of righteousness I want. Granted, do I want to be a righteous person? Should I strive for right? Absolutely. But my righteousness in and of myself, the Bible describes it, are as but filthy rags. If, if you're trying to justify your own righteousness, which is of the law, they're filthy rags in God's eyes. But that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness is of God by faith. And again, you keep going back to Ephesians 2.11, for you say, by grace, through faith, you know, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It all ties into this. Romans 10.4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. I mean, I think we've already read enough, but I'm going to keep going. Titus 1.14, not giving heed to Jewish fables, which is what these are, and commandments of men. I have seen people in the Hebrew Roots movement, and I have, trust me, I have been around them. I have dabbled in it myself when I was in the Pentecostal. I know people that went headlong, good friends of mine, went headlong, were literally wearing yarmulkes one day, growing their beards, saying that they were like one one sixteenth Jewish, so they need to keep all of the Jewish stuff, putting all the the you know the stuff up on the doorways and all the other things that you know. It's a never ending system of bondage is what it boils down to. Establishing your own righteousness. You're fallen from grace. Christ is of no effect unto you. I don't want... I mean, I'm never going to go that route. <laughs> Period. That is that is a one-way ticket to hell, if you ask me. I think the Bible's very clear on this. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Jesus, or John 4, 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Romans 3, 22 through 31 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all upon them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I mean, praise God for all these verses. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, meaning a, like a payment, through, through faith in his blood. Notice it always boils back to faith. Faith. For you say by grace through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. And that not of yourselves. Okay? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. It always boils back to faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. So, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. That's how we are justified, through faith in Jesus Christ, believing in him. Then it goes on to say, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? So where's, what are we going to boast about? By what law? Of, of works? There's question marks here. Nay, but the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. How much more crystal clear can we be here? And I'm, not, I'm only going over a fraction of the verses I could. I've went over more in other teachings I've done, and I gave you the links to those. A man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. He is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? 
Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith. Circumcision, in this case, they're referring to the Israelites, the Jew, the Jews. Okay, so, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Meaning God's no respecter of persons. Everybody's got to get saved the same way. There's no get-out-of-jail-free card passes for the Jews, like Mark Blitz and like John Hagee say. Mark Blitz has already said it. We're going to see where John Hagee, he's even more bold in that assertion. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Doesn't mean that we have to go around and keep every little tiny aspect of the Torah. Okay? We have to understand by where we are saved and how we are justified and made just in God's eyes. And that is through the grace of God, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. Galatians 3.26-29 For you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Says it very clearly. There's this privileged Jewish class, like a lot of people say, is particularly in the Hebrew Roots movement. There is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What is Abraham's seed? The Israelites, the 12 tribes, the real 12 tribes. See, in God's eyes, if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. Colossians 3, verse 1 and verse 11. If ye be then risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. It's not like you get up to heaven and, and you'd, he'd be like, oh, you're, you're like, you are a barbarian on earth. I mean, I know you got saved and everything, but man, I just... This Jewish guy over here, he's of the tribe of Benjamin, and I'm, I'm sorry, but you're going to like, you're going to be in a little shack in heaven, and he's going to have a mansion, because he's Jewish. And you, I know you lived a way better life than, than the tribe of Benjamin guy over here, but still, you're going to live in a shack, because that's how I roll up here in heaven. That's not how God works. You know how, how ridiculous that just sounded? Well, it is ridiculous, because it says it right here. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay, let's go further here. Um, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I'm sorry, I said Ephesians 2, 11 before. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, faith in Jesus Christ, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go further. 1 John 5.1-5 5, 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that beget loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know we love that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Now, we're going to look at this. And his commandments are not grievous. Now, when you say that to a Hebrew roots person, they'll say, see, you better be keeping all the Ten Commandments and all the Torah. What about all the other hundreds and hundreds of, I don't want to call them commandments, but admonishments? Some of them were, I would say, commandments by Jesus Christ in the New Testament. What about all of them? Okay? What about all those? No, it only counts to the Torah. When he says, keep the commandments. It's the Ten Commandments, and it's all the stuff in the Torah. Oh, really? Well, you're, you're like, you just started doing a little cult, and that's your interpretation, essentially? No, we're going to look at what the Bible says the commandments are. 
For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. He, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So you can't be an overcomer unless you are a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless you are a born-again Bible-believing Christian. That's who overcomes the world. That's how we overcome. That's how we endure to the end. The Holy Spirit living inside is giving us and enabling us to do what we need to do. Whatever that may be. It's different in every person's circumstance. 1 John 3, 22-24 And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments. And do these things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment. This is the main commandment. That we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another. As he gave us commandment. And that, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him, meaning the Holy Spirit dwells in them. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you as a born again Bible believing Christian. Don't believe what the charismatics say. No, that only means you have to be praying in tongues. That's the only time that happens. That's that's garbage. Tongues is the least of all gifts mentioned. And not everybody possesses it. Even, even at the time of the writing of those New Testament writings. They were being used primarily to spread the gospel to other people that were other languages where they could not communicate with them. So it says right here, in two different verse, in, in the span of two verses, First John three twenty two to twenty four, because uh, we, because we keep his commandments, and to do those things that are pleasing in his sight, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave commandment. It's the main thing. Does it say anything about the, you know, you have to uh, keep the Sabbath? And you better make sure you're keeping all the Torah and all the commandments in the Torah. Now, morality, commandments, sure. Absolutely, you want to try to keep them. But is that how you're trying to go about to establish your own righteousness? Are they righteous? Are they our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ? Sure. But is that what you're relying on to get into heaven? Because if it is, that righteousness is a filthy rag in God's eyes. Now, this is a matter of heaven or hell, what I'm explaining to you right now. Because if you don't have this right, with what's between your ears, then, you know, if if you don't get this right, it's simple, but if you don't get this right, it could literally mean you end it mean you end up in hell because you're trusting in your own works. You're trusting in your own righteousness. And there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And this Hebrew root stuff feels real good to a lot of people because, oh man, I can go around, I can establish my own righteousness, I can earn my way to heaven, I'm better than everybody else. Look at how religious I am. I can look down on people and feel good about it. I'm establishing my own righteousness. Yes, and the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The Bible's very clear on this. I mean, hopefully I've made it clear already. I'm going to keep going, though. I'm just picking up where I... Okay, and that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, meaning the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Okay, John 13, 34 through 35. John, Jesus Christ speaking, A new commandment I give you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. Huh, okay, sounds pretty awesome. John 15, 12 through 13, this is my commandment. Jesus Christ speaking again, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Okay, praise God. What is it? What else does the Bible say? Romans 13, 8 through 10. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that hath love, uh, 
for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Whoa! Could it be that easy? He hath fulfilled the law? Jesus, I mean, this is said in Romans. Oh, of course. Yeah, I can see why they weren't like Paul. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended, or meaning encompassed, in this saying. Namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. End of quote. That's, that's how the law is fulfilled in the eyes of Jesus Christ. Not only did he say it, but Paul said it, and the Bible in the New Testament said it in many other places. Galatians 6.2, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, bearing one another's bur- burdens would be a form of love toward your brother, right? Or your neighbor. So that's fulfilling the law of Christ. Remember, this is a better covenant. This is a different covenant. This is a different system here. We're not under Old Testament Levitical law bondage that was given to the 12 tribes of Israel. Acts 15.24 For as much as ye have heard that certain which went out from among us have troubled you with words. Meaning they went out from among us. They kind of came in, they, they kind of perused the whole thing with Jesus Christ. They were Jews, but they were they, they kind of spied out the liberty. Eh, and then they said, ah, this isn't for me. I'm going to go out from among you. What happened with these ones? They went out from among us and have troubled you with words. Now this is the apostles speaking to the Gentile Christian converts. Okay? That's what the context is here. So, they say to these Gentile, born-again Christian converts, Forasmuch as ye have heard that certain which went out from among us have troubled you with words, you Gentile Christian converts, subverting your souls, saying, ye must be circumcised and keep the law. Isn't it sound like what the Hebrew roots people are doing right now? You got to keep the law. You got to keep the Torah. What do the apostles say? To whom we gave no such commandment. It says it right there. The apostles were not trying to bring the people under the law, particularly these Gentile Christian converts. First Timothy one five through seven. And now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned from which some having swerved have turned aside into vain jangling desiring to be teachers of the law like these Hebrew roots people understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. All they are vessels of Satan trying to bring you into bondage. That's all they are. But the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience. Meaning, you shouldn't, like, do it begrudgingly, you know? What does charity mean? Well, it's when you take a whole bunch of stuff to goodwill and drop it off at the door. Drive it away. Donations. Well, um... Also, number one, it depends on the heart of why you did it. And I wouldn't really donate to Goodwill because they're really evil if you actually research them. Um, Try to find a real Christian charity that's doing real good work that you can support in your area if you're going to give donations away. That's what I would advise. Salvation Army is no better. Um, I could do studies on all of these groups. Anyway, what is charity? Okay, well, the biblical usage of charity out of Strong's Concordance is affection, goodwill, love, benevolence, and brotherly love. Okay? So, the biblical uses of charity and the usage that is desi- that is defined in the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary, which more closely defines the words of the King James Bible in their proper usage, where as opposed to meanings of words have changed in the day and time we live in, 
what is how does Noah Webster 1828 define charity? Many ways. Number one, in a theological sense, it includes the supreme love of God, universal goodwill toward men. Uh, another definition. In a more particular sense, love, kindness, affection, tenderness springing from natural relations as charities of father, son, and brother. Three, liberality to the poor, consisting in almsgiving or benefactions, uh, or in gratuitous services to relieve them in distress. Four, liberalities in gifts and services to promote public objects of utility as to found and support Bible societies, missionary societies, and others. So, Charity is the full embodiment of love in any way that that love can pretty much manifest or, or in most of the ways love can manifest. It's, it's the most complete definition of the word love. Okay? So that, that's really important that you kind of understand that, that, um, that, that concept because 1 Timothy 1, 5-7 says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. Okay? And that we love our neighbor, we love our brother, and that this, this, and so doing so, you have fulfilled the law. Okay? And Christ is the end of the law to them that believe on him. So it's very important you get that concept in place because there's a ton of people out there wanting to subvert your souls and bring you into bondage and making you think that you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And listen, I'm just touching on this. Go back, listen to my teachings on the Hebrew Roots Movement. I give you the link there. Or just key in Hebrew. In the search box at contendingfortruth.com, if you think we're supposed to be celebrating the Sabbath, key in either Sabbath or Sunday in the keyword search box. I've done several teachings on that, taken more heat from those teachings than I've ever done, and, you know, so be it. My life's not a popularity contest, and um, I've dealt with the Hebrew Roots adherents on many different levels for many different years, and, you know, the battle goes on, whatever. They're trying to bring me into bondage, and I'm trying to show them what the Bible says. And, and you know, it's like we're, we're arguing on two different playing fields. They've got their perverted, corrupted Bible. They throw out the Apostle Paul. They're totally in the bondage of, of, of the law, and, and, and then all of the other extra-biblical things. And then they get into the Talmud, which is the most blasphemous book against Jesus Christ that you could possibly ever imagine. There's so many quotes in the Babylonian Talmud in particular that I can't even quote. If you don't believe that, can't Talmud in the keyword search box. And then they start, they all want to be wannabe rabbis, and they start revering Jewish people just because of the blood that runs through their veins, and they start putting them on pedestals. I'm not against the Jewish people at all, but I have balance. They got to get saved the same way we do. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in, in a little bit here. So it's just important to have biblical balance regarding these subjects and not go off the deep end. So, back to the main report. These cults, cults preach another gospel, and particularly Hebrew roots. A gospel without biblical salvation. You will be hard-pressed to read or hear them say, quote, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16.31. That is not their focus. They want you to obey the Torah, and that's how you primarily obtain salvation. Through works, which is just like every other pseudo-Christian cult, and really every other cult in the planet. Even the Muslims, they believe they're going to get to paradise through killing as many people as possible, and hopefully through a martyrdom death, and they'll have their 72 virgins and white-skinned boys. That's how they believe they get to paradise, with Allah. They're going to have a rude awakening, though, when they plunge into hell. You know, Satanists are trying to get to hell by being the worst people they can pretty much be. You know, um... Hindus and their various pantheon of deities, they're trying to obtain, but they're all works-based religions. Catholicism, same thing, works-based. God, it is. Got to keep all the, all of the, uh, so the sacraments and my catechisms and all this other stuff. And I hope I have last rites when I die. And I hope they pray me out of purgatory and all this other garbage. All works-based. Only Bible-believing Christianity, which I will put no denominational label on, because there's no Bible for denominations whatsoever teaches just this free gift through the Lord Jesus Christ, for you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, if you want to know more about that, and that's the most important decision you will ever make in this life, then um, go to contendingfortruth.com and click on the True Salvation tab, and I just walk you through a ton of Bible verses. That just like I did just now, that explain it to you. It's not hard. It's not complicated. Okay? 
It's not. We don't. But these cults, Satan has put there to just muddy the waters. Do you realize there's literally thousands of different quote Christian denominations in, on the planet? Thousands, not just a thousand. Thousands. Which one's right? Well, who's who? They, 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 there's only one that could be right, right? Well, that's again. That's why I don't put a denominational label on it. The Bible, the Word of God, is right. Okay, and we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Second Timothy two fifteen. So that's all I'm trying to do here is rightly divide the Word of Truth, and to point you in the direction of Jesus Christ, so that you can obtain salvation through him, his death, burial, and resurrection, his precious blood blood he shed on the cross to bear, to erase our sins, essentially. That blood covers our sins, not our own works of righteousness, which we have done. Which is what all these other isms do, attempt to do. You always obtain whatever you're trying to obtain, salvation, paradise, or, I mean, heaven, paradise, nirvana, whatever it is, through your own works. That's the difference. There's only two religions on the planet. There's all your isms, there's all your cults, there's all your works-based pseudo-Christian denominations, and then there's true Bible-believing Christianity. In the English-speaking language, you want to have a King James Bible. And that's the difference. So, I'm trying to just make it simple for you. So, let's go further here. Um, They want you to obey the Torah, the... Um, Hebrew Roots adherents. These cults actually have no gospel, no good news. It basically teaches you you must convert to Judaism and obey the Torah, or the Hebrew Roots movement, which eventually will take you to Judaism, not to. And key Judaism in the keyword search box, I've exposed Judaism as well. The Torah will not and cannot save you. The Torah only proves that we are sinful by nature and will never attain salvation by our deeds. Keep the Torah all you like. Or the Torah, whatever you want to pronounce it. But Torah, I believe, is the more proper pronunciation. But if you are not saved, you are lost in your sins. The Bible is crystal clear in this. I know this is going to be very offensive to a lot of people. But remember, it offended people in Jesus' day as well. The Pharisees and Sadducees were infuriated with his teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. They hated him so much that they killed him for teaching it. And of course... Uh, this is why they hated Paul so much. And the apostles. They killed Paul for teaching it. They killed all the apostles except John. And he was he died essentially in prison. But it's the truth, like it or not, the goal of the Bible is to lead you to Jesus, not to lead you to the Torah. The Torah simply lets you know your lost condition. And again, not all of the Torah would do that either. Not all the ceremonial stuff, like keeping your beers or wine, those other things. Okay. The Torah simply lets you know your lost condition. The solution to that problem is the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross. I hope this post helps you to see the real ambition of the Hebrews Roots movement and the sacred name movements and how serious their teachings deviate from the scriptures. This can be summed up here, Galatians 2.4. And that because of false brethren, unawares, brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus. Okay, that they might bring us into bondage. This is a total example of this Hebrew Roots movement. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. See, now though, back then, when they saw wolf in sheep's clothing enter into the flock and try to bring them into bondage, they kicked them out. They didn't give them place of subjection for not even an hour. They were gone. Why? That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Nowadays, the churches are so leavened, and there's so many false prophets and false teachers and false preachers in the churches, you'd have to kick half the church out. And and, and then it's all leavened by their yoking up with the government through their 501c3 corporate status, and then all of the other false Bible versions they've used. So they're just just swimming in in a sea of, of, of molten sin and leaven. But back then, they didn't let him take. They didn't let him mess around for more than an hour. They kicked him out. We're supposed to mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. 
And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Meaning when they serve their own belly, they serve their own carnal desires. That's Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to mark them. Hirelings that have no true love for the sheep. You know, ministers of Satan that appear as ministers of righteousness. That try to creep in. You know, men of old, men of, like Jude 1. But men that crept in unawares, men of old who were ordained under this condemnation. Bible talks a lot about it, and I talk a lot about it in my teachings, because I just don't, you know, it's really the thrust of my ministry, one of the main thrusts. So, I hope this ultimately helps you to understand the purpose and the goal of God's word, and it's not to lead you to the Torah, but to lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Okay, Jesus Christ. It's always worked for me. I've dealt with some of the most darkest entities, and I've documented that. Just key in supernatural in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I've, I've dealt with supernatural evil. High, high level voodoo that they were trying to kill me. The angel of death at the foot of my bed. I've had a lot of stuff go on. And you know what? The one word that always worked for me was Jesus or Jesus Christ. It always works, every time, if you have faith, okay? I've seen the most wicked, dark entities literally vanish, like, into thin air. I didn't have to use all the, the Hebrew derivations of, of the name of God and this and that in order to have that happen. I've seen it personally. You couldn't convince me otherwise because I know it works. I've seen it. With my own eyes, I've experienced it. So that's another reason I'm pretty passionate about this subject as well. Now, um, let's see here. I'm going to go ahead and end part three here. And now we're going to go into John Hagee. Because these are the two guys, Mark Blitz and John Hagee, the two guys putting this garbage out right now. With their books and their videos and all this other stuff. We've already seen Mark Blitz is from a corrupt, corrupt thing here. He is anti-Christ. He is against Christ. He is against, you know, the grace of God, faith in Jesus Christ. He's trying to bring you in, into an absolute bondage by keeping the Torah. Okay? So he's anti-Christ. He is, um, um, you know, he's preaching another gospel, as the Bible says, and it says, if we are an angel from heaven preaching another gospel, let him be accursed. Okay, so let him be accursed in his efforts to try to get people into hell. John Hagee's doing the same thing, and that's what we're going to discuss next. So if we've got two corrupt people here presenting a theory, don't you think you might want to question the theory they're, they're purporting to bring up? So let's, I'm going to end part three here, and we'll go to part four, our fourth and final part. God bless you.